This is part of a series of podcasts on a variety of educational topics. I have drawn these topics from suggestions made to me by my family and interested friends. Being a historian, although some of these topics are not within my field of professional study, which is intellectual history and early American history, I find all history fascinating and I thoroughly enjoy the research process. It is my ambition to encourage anyone and everyone to find the relevance and benefit of knowing history. I'll be the first to concede that history is partly fact and a great deal interpretation. As a historian, it is important to recognize the difference and to consider all leading interpretations before reaching our own conclusions based on available evidence. In none of these podcasts or videos do I claim to have the last say or the only true interpretation. As always, I encourage my students, listeners, and watchers to question the information, look at the evidence for yourself, and reach your own informed conclusions. Benjamin Rush, the revolutionary hero who wore many hats. Rush was an intellectual academic, a renowned doctor, a major political leader, widely published author, abolitionist, champion for women's right to higher education, surgeon general for the Continental Army, and the father of psychiatry. He was also the greatest humanitarian of his time, and he excelled in each of these roles. Rush was born Christmas Eve, 1745, in Byberry, Pennsylvania. He was a very uh, astute, advanced student um, in all uh, aspects of his education. For instance, he graduated Princeton at age 15. Then for five years, he would study medicine under well-known doctors of the day, like Dr. John Redmond. Uh, he attended lectures of Dr. William Shippen and Dr. John Morgan at the College of Philadelphia. Then he went on to the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, where he would study from 1766 to 1768. And this was during the time of the Enlightenment in Europe and in Scotland. Uh, the Scottish Enlightenment uh, had a very different aspect than the Enlightenment, say, for instance, in France. Um, this uh, period of Enlightenment uh, was an attempt or uh, actually was the action of uh, men who were called philosophers who were looking for truth using human reasoning. Um, in Scotland, well, in France, uh, there might have been an anti-religious anti bias in Scotland. That was not the case. Uh, it was in Scotland where some of the uh, most um, advancements 
in uh, the med field of medicine were made. Um, this uh, this was where um, many of the Enlightenment, like uh, Francis Hutchison, uh, David Hume, um, Adam Smith, among many others. This is where they were studying, looking at age-old questions and using the human ability to reason and rationalize uh, evidence uh, to reach conclusions. So this is a time period when uh, Rush was studying in the universities in Scotland. He would re receive his doctorate in 1768 at the age of 23. He would go on to visit uh, London after he graduated in Scotland, uh, London, where he uh, encountered uh, Benjamin Franklin, a well-known American in Europe, uh, where they had many discussions, and Franklin and Rush would uh, tour London, London and all of the places of learning uh, there in London. And then Franklin gave Rush uh, letters of introduction to some of the important uh, men of the Enlightenment in France. So Rush would visit Paris before he uh, returned home in 1769. It was in 1770 that Benjamin Rush published his first book, uh, which proved to be the first chemistry test textbook in America. Uh, he became the first professor of chemistry, medical theory, and clinical practice at the University of Pennsylvania. Benjamin Rush's medical um, aspects of his life uh, he became the most famous American doctor of his generation. He treated most of the founding fathers where they were in Philadelphia in the Continental Congress in the 17, early 1770s. And then also he was the doctor on call for the Constitutional Convention in 1778. Uh, he published 24 books on treatises and uh, books that covered a range of medical and other educational topics. Benjamin Rush would work tirelessly and successfully with both the rich and the poor during a terrible yellow fever epidemic in Philadelphia in 1793 when hundreds and hundreds were dying with that disease. Uh, Rush would work almost uh, 24 hours around the clock. He opened his home uh, for doctors uh, under his um, uh, help. He was training doctors, and so he had those doctors who worked as assistants to him stay in his house, and he also opened his home to those who were sick and had nowhere 
uh, to go. Um, he advocated inoculation. Uh, some of the one of the first to advocate the inoculation for smallpox. Benjamin Rush also preached sanitation and quarantine to stop the spread of disease. He was the first to establish a free clinic for the poor. As I mentioned, he um, taught many young men who were going into the field of medicine. Uh, so he taught thousands of students and trained hundreds of medical students who would go on to be uh, quite famous in their own rights. Benjamin Rush was also known as the father of psychiatry, or he is known as the father of psychiatry. Um, he was one of the first to insist on humane treatment of the mentally ill. This was a time when most people um, who had mental illness or were mad, as they termed it in that time period, uh, they were kept in prisons with some of the worst uh, offenders. They were often kept in cages and treated like animals. Uh, so Benjamin Rush, uh, he abhorred things like that. And he believed that mental illness could be diagnosed, classified, and treated. He pioneered the way in occupational therapy. He believed that all mental illnesses stemmed from physical causes. And he published the first book on psychiatry. As far as his uh, political contributions during this period leading up to and during the revolution, he was a dedicated patriot. Um, he was active during the Stamp Act crisis. That is when Parliament um, changed their policies toward the colonists, where before they had uh, practiced a type of what the what was called salutary neglect in other words all of the uh, navigation laws that parliament passed which regulated trade between the colonies and England uh, England knew that Americans sometimes smuggled that they dealt in contraband uh, but England was prospering and the colonies were prospering. So England just turned a blind eye to those instances of breaking the law. Um, but during, after the French and Indian War, England began to change their policy regarding the colonists. Um, the war had been, this was the French and Indian War, uh, that went from 1754 to 1763. And England won that war. And by winning the war, England acquired all of the American territory that had once belonged to the French. So it really expanded 
the British Empire, but it had been a very costly victory. And one way in which Britain sought to uh, pay off that war debt was to begin taxing the American colonists uh, that had nothing to do with regulating trade. And although Americans had um, understood and had paid taxes to Britain um, all during the first 150-some years of their existence, it was only after the French and Indian War when Britain began uh, passing taxes on the Americans that had nothing to do with regulating trade that Americans began to protest. Um, the Act of Parliament, the tax that Parliament passed that really pushed Americans too far was the stamp tax, which put a tax on every uh, paper that was used in the colonies, papers that were required for uh, sales receipts, for licenses, for death certificates, uh, deed of sale, uh, even to the extent of taxing paper that was used to make playing cards. This the Americans protested, and Benjamin Rush was one of those uh, who participated in the discussions, in the anger that Americans felt during what was called the Stamp Act Congress. Um, he became close personal friends with men like uh, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, um, Thomas Paine, many other leading um, of our founding fathers. And he entered into discussions. He met with them. They worked together to um, plan what they could do to resist what they viewed as a violation of their rights. Um, Benjamin Rush became a member of the Continental Congress. The After the Stamp Act crisis, which the Americans won, uh, the uh, Parliament was forced to uh, repeal the stamp tax, but they go on to pass other um, acts of Parliament that uh, Americans felt like were violating their rights, their rights as Englishmen, not as specifically Americans, but their rights as Englishmen. Uh, so they would form the Continental Congress, which would stay in session from uh, during the early 1700s. Um, and Benjamin Rush would be a member of the Continental Congress and participate in discussions about going for independence. Uh, Rush would work with Thomas Paine, who became quite famous in America for writing a pamphlet called Common Sense. And Benjamin Rush actually was the one who encouraged Paine to write the pamphlet. Uh, Rush even gave him the name Common Sense to attach to that um, publication. And in fact, Benjamin Rush was the one that made it possible for that pamphlet uh, 
to be published. Benjamin Rush also was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, and he would publish many works on American liberty. So he was an important revolutionary uh, during this time period. Rush's views on education are very uh, well known. Uh, for instance, he made this statement. He said, freedom can exist only in the society of knowledge. Without learning, men are incapable of knowing their rights. And where learning is confined to a few people, liberty can be neither equal nor universal. Unquote. He believed that the only security for a republic lay in the population being educated. Um, uh, Thomas Jefferson was a big supporter of this as well. The need for a republic to survive, the population would have to be educated. Brush believed that schools should teach republican principles. Uh, in fact, he believed that Americans should be educated in America. He did not encourage young men to seek for education in foreign countries, but he believed they should be educated in the history of the founding of America and in representative self-government by a virtuous citizenship, which was the whole sole, the sole purpose of government should be to seek for the common good. Another quote from Benjamin Rush, he said, without virtue, there can be no liberty, and liberty is the object and life of all Republican governments. And keep in mind that when he talks about Republican, he is not referring to a political party. In fact, most Americans of the day would not, did not, and would not um, believe in political parties. They thought political parties were anathema to a republic. Um, Rush believed that schools should teach civic responsibility. That is, uh, to teach this civic virtue. Rush believed that schools should teach that government is of a progressive nature and must be modified constantly. He did not agree with having Latin and Greek, uh, the learning of Latin and Greek, uh, to be required. He did not believe that that was suited to American education. While before this time, um, young American males, uh, before they ever went to college, they had to know how to read and write in Latin and Greek. But Rush is saying that should no longer be the case. He thought education should encourage discovery and effective use of the nation's resources effective use of national resources and to encourage the advancement of science. 
He thought there should be a special emphasis upon the history of national culture. That students should learn the theories of government, especially those of a Republican form of government. He believed that women should have uh, the right to receive a higher education. He thought they should be taught math, geography, history, poetry, and moral philosophy. Now, while he was ahead of his time in a lot of these ideas, um, he was very much a man of his times uh, in the fact that he believed that the education of young women was all for the benefit of their sons and their husbands. He said, if women are taught these things, like math, geography, history, so on, he said, and I quote, it would thereby qualify her not only for a general intercourse with the world, but to be an agreeable companion for a sensible man, unquote. He thought women uh, should be taught astronomy and philosophy. He said, particularly with such parts of them as, as are calculated to prevent superstition by explaining the causes of things. He proposed uh, that there be universal schools that would be free and open to both sexes. And Again, as a man of his times, he believed that religion should be the foundation for all education. He said, quote, Such is my veneration for every religion that reveals the attributes of the deity or a future state of rewards and punishments that I had rather see the opinions of Confucius or Muhammad inculcated upon our youth than to see them grow up wholly devoid of a system of religious principles. But but the religion I mean to recommend in this place is that of the New Testament. So Rush, even though he could appreciate all religions that um, reveal the attributes of a deity, Yet, he believed, of course, uh, in the religion of the New Testament. Rush also was an abolitionist. He believed that Africans were capable of, quote, shouldering the responsibilities of freedom and of virtue and happiness, unquote. He believed that slavery was a transgression against natural law. He himself maintained a close contact with the African-American community and helped establish American, African-American churches, um, even to the uh, point of supporting them not only financially, uh, but also with his physical efforts. Uh, he was close friends with two of the leading African ministers in Philadelphia. They often, those two men, 
uh, would come to Rush uh, when there was uh, a need or a problem that they needed uh, to discuss and perhaps to have Rush's support on. Rush would be the, uh, he would create the first abolition society in America. This is in the late 1770s, 1780s. Now, Rush also made many military contributions during the Revolutionary War. In fact, uh, George Washington appointed Benjamin Rush Surgeon General of the Continental Army. Uh, some of the suggestions that Rush made regarding uh, protecting the health of soldiers was that uh, that pertained to the way they dressed. He believed that long hair, which was the fashion of the day, men to wear uh, their hair long and tied back in a queue, um, he thought that was unhealthy and that soldiers should have short hair. So the tradition or the custom of the um, military haircut leads back to uh, recommendations by Benjamin Rush. Um, he thought that uh, diseases and things like uh, uh, unsanitation, unsanitary conditions, uh, lice, uh, other things like that um, were promoted by having long hair and not keeping it clean and well combed. Uh, another item of dress that he insisted was that they not wear linen close to their skin, which at the time most men wore um, linen shirts next to their skin. But Rush said that linen um, could not breathe and it retained sweat, which that sweat created a condition that was um, conducive to growing all kinds of unhealthy um, germs and bacteria and so forth. So he wanted them to wear flannel next to their skin uh, because flannel would breathe. In other words, uh, it didn't hold moisture against the skin. And uh, they sweat, and, and the flannel gets wet, it will dry quickly and not hold that uh, sweat. He also uh, recommended that soldiers change their garments frequently. Um, now, this was a time period when, the, when a man might, a soldier might wear the same clothes for days on end, but Rush said again that was unhealthy and that they should change their garments frequently. Rush also made recommendations as Surgeon General for the diet that soldiers should um, cons uh, should use. He's, he said they should most eat mostly vegetables. Um, that they should not eat uh, more than a pound or so of meat a day. And, of course, he recommended that they have no rum or spiritus drinks. So he's 
uh, as Surgeon General, he is making these recommendations as he observes uh, the soldiers and uh, what appears to contribute to the unhealthy conditions. Cleanliness was a big factor for Benjamin Rush in his recommendations for the soldiers. He said they should wash their hands and face at least once a day. Now, keep in mind, uh, again, that during this time period, it was not common for people to bathe frequently. Uh, Remember, there's no hot water. Uh, You have to boil the water over fire if you want hot water. And no running water. So bathing was very uh, inconvenient and especially in the field, uh, very hard. But Rush insisted on cleanliness and that they should um, wash their hands and face at least once a day and that they should bathe the whole body two or three times a week. That they should wear clean, dry garments. He believed that the dishes they used to Uh, eat out of while they were in camp, that they should clean those dishes uh, after every meal. Again, not a customary activity, but one that he stressed. He also stressed that they should have clean bedding. Now, soldiers in the field, their mattresses were straw-filled. And as you can imagine, Um, mattresses filled with straw uh, could become uh, habitated by all kinds of uh, creatures. So he recommended that the straw be changed frequently, but that the bedding uh, should be changed even more frequently, like sheets or blankets, so forth. He also stressed that they should keep their tents clean, um, that they sweep out uh, any any trash, any filth that was left behind, um, that they should move the tents frequently um, for clean, cleanliness purposes. Um, he also encouraged the men to go far from their tents if they needed to uh, answer the call of nature. Uh, Again, not uh, something that uh, the soldiers on their own would think about. You know, you find the most convenient place. If it's close to where you're sleeping, that's just what happened. But Rush said, no, no, no. Uh, Go far from your camp. He believed that in setting up the camps, Um, that they should find places to camp that were not close to marshes and mill ponds, that they should avoid camping by a river because breezes off the river may bring seeds of fever. So if they did camp by a river, they should uh, camp upwind from the river breezes. 
Rush also encouraged daily exercise. If they were not engaged in battle, Rush said that they should um, participate in some sort of exercise. He said, idleness is the, quote, bane of a soldier, unquote. Despite the many contributions that Benjamin Rush uh, added to early American society, he is probably most known today uh, as the man who, in 1812, helped to reconcile two of the largest minds of the early republic, that is, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Jefferson and Adams had been friends since the beginning of the Revolutionary Period, uh, but had um, become at outs with one another after the election, actually after Adams' presidency and the election of 1800, uh, when Thomas Jefferson won the election for uh, President of the United States. Um, but in 1812, uh, Benjamin Rush encouraged the two to start writing again uh, to forgive one another, that they needed to record their knowledge of the revolution for posterity. Uh, another uh, contribution that Benjamin Rush made to society was his work on drunkenness. Uh, before Rush uh, began his work, drunkenness was viewed as being sinful and a matter of choice. Rush introduced the idea that the alcoholic loses control over himself and identified the properties of alcohol rather than the alcoholic's choice as the causal agent. This is a quote from a book that Rush wrote regarding these views on alcoholism. He said, quote, Spiritous liquors destroy more lives than the sword. War has its intervals of destruction, but spirits operate at all times and seasons upon human life. They fill our churchyards with premature graves. They fill the sheriff's docket with executions. And they crowd our jails. They produce debts, disgrace, and bankruptcy. Among farmers, they produce idleness with its usual, con with its usual consequences, such as houses without windows, barns without roofs, and half-clad, dirty children without principles, morals, or manners. Spiritus Liquors cause, quote, A people corrupted by strong drink cannot long be a free people. He developed the concept of addiction as a form of medi medical disease and uh, developed the idea that abstinence is the only cure for addiction. Rush is also sometimes considered the father of therapeutic horticulture, particularly as it pertains to the institutionalized. In his book, 
Medical Inquiries Upon Diseases of the Mind, published in 1812, Rush wrote, I quote, It has been remarked that the manics of the male sex in all hospitals who assist in cutting wood, making fires, and digging in a garden, and the females who are employed in washing, ironing, and scrubbing floors often recover, while persons whose rank exempts them from from performing such services languish away their lives within the walls of the hospital, unquote. Rush and others were also coming to appreciate the importance of talking and listening to the occupants of the cells in the basement of the hospitals where they kept uh, mentally ill patients. I would like to tell you about this one account that Rush leaves of one of his first psychiatric patients uh, was a woman in her late 60s, named Hannah Garrett Lewis, who was admitted around the same time that uh, Rush joined the hospital staff. She was well known on the streets of Philadelphia for her incessant public preaching, which she had done for decades since the death of her husband in the 1740s. Her many erratic behaviors included eating broiled mice and cats, catching mosquitoes and flies, tearing off their heads or wings, and keeping them in a jar, quote, for the presumption of daring to bite the king's daughter, unquote. Rush diagnosed Hannah Lewis with a mania in her charts, which he also described in a case report as, quote, grief-induced madness in middle life, unquote. He believed that uh, her madness was triggered by the loss of her husband. She was one of the first patients uh, whom Rush and others on the staff really tried to talk to, to better understand her thought processes and what Rush viewed as errors of thinking. Hannah Lewis's case Uh, had presented physicians with a unique opportunity to try to treat the most publicly mad woman from the streets of Philadelphia as an actual patient with a psychiatric illness. Taking her delusions and thought disorders seriously as symptoms and studying them in the hope of healing her. Now, I haven't mentioned anything about Russia's personal life, uh, such as his marriage, on uh, January the 11th, 1776, Rush married um, Julia Stockton, who was 17-year-olds at the time, uh, the daughter of one, of one of Russia's good friends, Richard Stockton of Princeton. And the minister that married them was Dr. John Witherspoon, who Rush had helped to bring to America uh, 10 years earlier to become the president of Princeton University. Rush and his wife, Julia, had 13 children. In 1813, 
uh, Rush died of typhus fever in Philadelphia and was buried at the Christ Church burial ground.